uh, Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're on page 158. And we started uh, lesson number eight uh, last week talking about disciples. And uh, we spent a good bit of time defining what a disciple is. <clears throat> after I remember, after uh, Chris determined, figured out what verse I had written down wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> page 158 and then Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 lesson lesson number 8 <clears throat> okay a disciple is fully surrendered to God and we talked about that uh, extensively last week um, uh, full surrender to God is the beginning point to true discipleship now um, does does total surrender equal discipleship? Think about it. That's kind of a trick question. They're synonymous, but they're not necessarily equal. And it takes total surrender to become a disciple. Now, you can't become a disciple without having total surrender, but... <clears throat> the goal is that we totally surrender. We talked about it this morning. God wants all of our heart, not part of it. He wants all of it. And <clears throat> once we give that to him, then we can then start on the road to being a disciple. And um, that, that is, that is what, what's another word that we, that we use, Bible word? for the transition to being a disciple? I'm sorry? Maturity, okay. Sanctification is is the, the word I was looking for. Uh, it's the changing process that takes place. Um, Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, <clears throat> uh, primarily, who made up the first century church? Huh? Yeah, the first century church. Jews. Saved Jews. Okay, so... Well, I, okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because the, the, the author covers this. <clears throat> but I, I want the, 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 one of the key words in verse 1 of chapter 12 is the word sacrifice. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. So let, let's go ahead and, and, and read through this, uh, through the book here. It says, notice three truths about surrender based on Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It is motivated by God's mercy to us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. <clears throat> Surrender should be motivated by the mercies of God in our lives. 
Each of us experience the mercy of God every time we take a breath. You don't believe me? Ask Lori. When when I was at the hospital Friday um, with Cass, uh, I, I overlap, we overlapped for a few minutes, and Lori said something, and I hope I never forget this. She was she was laying there, and <clears throat> as she was trying to talk, which Cassie kept hitting her on the back, saying, "Don't talk." <laughs> Because every time she would talk, her oxygen level would go down. And she's laying there trying to talk, and she says, I'm sorry, but I have to think about breathing right now. When when the machine started going, burp, 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 you know, making all these noises and everything. And she said, and, and she said those words, I have to think about breathing. When's the last time you had to think about taking a breath? I mean, we just do it. Now, those of us that are asthmatic, there are times where, you know, we, you know, we go through, but nothing like what she was doing. And she had to literally close her eyes and concentrate on breathing. We should be motivated to serve him just based on his mercy in our lives. That's just one of thousands of examples I could have used. Let's continue reading. It is the uh, realization of the great mercy God has shown to us that compels us to surrender our lives back to him. Your next blank here. It is complete. Our surrender is complete, or should, at least should be, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now let's read, let's read what the author wrote here, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. The, the first century readers of this passage would have immediately connected the word sacrifice. They would have known exactly what that meant. Of the Old Testament animal sacrifice, a complete transaction. But for us, it is to be a living sacrifice. That means that we surrender every area of our lives to the Lord. This includes our relationships, activities, entertainment, money, possessions, goals, dreams, time, everything. Of course, this does not mean that we have no relationships, activities, or entertainment, etc., but that we give God control over each of these areas and are surrendered to follow His direction in each. Now, Let's talk about this idea of a living sacrifice. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, how were sins symbolically taken away? Through the shedding of blood. They would take an animal, they would, they would uh, uh, kill the animal, 
and then they would burn it on the altar. And it was a symbol of God forgiving their sins. Okay, now let me ask you, did the actual sacrifice take away their sin? No. Okay, it was symbolic. It was symbolic of what? The coming of Christ, the lamb that will be sacrificed. Okay, yeah, exactly, okay? And, and that, that's exactly where I was going to go. People in the Old Testament got saved by looking forward to the cross, where we get saved by looking back to the cross. It's the same cross. So the, 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 the Christians that Paul's writing to here in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, they knew exactly the sacrifice. So in order to sacrifice something, what has to happen? Death. Okay, something has to die be it a dove or a lamb or a goat or a, or a bullock or whatever the, whatever the animal, something had to die. Now, what is Paul telling the Christians? Being a living sacrifice. Being a walking dead person. That, that, that seems... Not possible. I recently saw someone that was wearing a Christian shirt, and they, I didn't get to see all of it because of <clears throat> uh, he had a, a vest on or so I can't remember now, but I couldn't see all of it. But <clears throat> what I could see said that he said, die to Christ. That's all I could read. And I, those words just jumped off, off his shirt. And I thought, wow, I like that. But not, not five minutes after meeting this individual, something was said to him and he got all twisted out of shape and stormed out of here. And I thought, well, that guy doesn't know what he's wearing on his shirt. Because when you die to Christ, you're dead. So often we say, yes, I'm going to die to Christ. I'm going to die. Uh, put the old man. I'm gonna, the old man is dead. And I'm going to walk in newness of life. And then something is inadvertently said and you get your, your, your feelings hurt and you storm out. Something's wrong there. So what did Paul mean to be a living sacrifice? You tell me. Okay, it starts by dying to yourself. But what else? We're still alive in Christ. See, a dead person... You know, you take a you take a dead body. Uh, um, what do they call them? Uh, cadaver. You take a cadaver, and you put it on a table, and you stick your finger in his face and say, "You dirty rat." 
I don't like you. You're a stinking, no good cadaver. <laughs> and is he going to argue with me? <laughs> exactly. Okay. But so why why then do we wear our our feelings on our sleeves? We have pride. But see, we're told to be a living dead person, alive in Christ, but dead to the things in this world. Sure. But think about it. Is that not what Paul's telling us? I mean, it's, it, it sounds incredibly simple, and it, and, it, and it is. But living it is another thing. Let's continue reading. Not only should we be motivated by God's mercy, not only uh, is it complete, but it is reasonable, which is your reasonable service. Jesus gave his life for us. Giving ours back to him is the least we could do. Now, I, I looked up the word reasonable uh, because um, I, I, know, I know what the word reasonable, at least I think I know what the word reasonable was, but I wanted to kind of get the... Because the, sometimes in, in the translation, sometimes we... We lose the true meaning of a word. Um, but I looked it up, and this is, this is what it means. The word means to be uh, rational for every human being. So we could take the word reasonable and replace it with the word rational, which is your rational service. Another word that we could put in there, which I, I kind of like even a little bit more, is the word logical. It is your logical service. In the sense that it fits the circumstance. What, what that means is this. It is our reasonable, it is our logical service because of what Christ did for us. It is only logical that we do that for him. And so often, living for Christ becomes a chore. She's fine. But according to Paul, 
it is our logical response. It is our reasonable service that we become living dead people. Jesus made full surrender a clear condition to uh, of discipleship in Matthew chapter 10 verses 37 and 38 He that loveth his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me now let me ask you well let, let me let me say this when I first got saved some 40 years ago I remember reading this verse early in my in my walk with the Lord and I thought wow that's just a little bit of are you kidding me <laughs> you know that's a little confrontational but doesn't, doesn't he have the right to say that? What is, what is the commandment? I ju- it just went through my head. Uh, I forget which number it is. Is it two? Uh, that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is it the second command commandment? I don't know. It might be the first. First or second. Anyway, um, thou shalt have no other gods before me. <clears throat> what, what, what defines a god that can be before God? Okay. It is the first. Okay. Okay. Any, okay, that is, okay, that is the general answer. Anything that we put before God. Okay, oftentimes we we leave out any person that we put before God. Anybody. Anybody, anything. My my cousin, I hope he's not watching. Um my cousin <laughs> my cousin just sold a 1974 Chevelle. <laughs> no, it was a four-door. But hey, I would have taken it. And when I found out he sold it, well, he, it he did offer it to me, but I couldn't afford it. But like, no. <laughs> She's like, because she knew if I bought it, I was going to put it in the garage and she'd have to park her van out, outside. And she's like, no. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, it's a four-door, right? 74 Chevelle. But, um, uh, but you know, I, I honestly, when I found out he sold it, my heart just sank. Because I, I, I would, I would, that, that it would be really hard for me not to let that car become really important in my life. And it's a hunk of metal. 
it is a pretty hunk of metal. And, it, and this thing was in mint condition. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> but so often, our kids become so important to us that they take the place of God in our lives. And that is a sad place to be. Let's continue reading. He is to have first place in our lives above every human relationship or, uh, or commitment. A disciple battles sin and flesh. Let me say this before we before we get into this next se- section. I want you to think about this question: Who is the devil more concerned with, the nominal Christian or the disciple? the disciple who is going to quote unquote fight more battles the disciple or the nominal Christian the disciple will why candy hopefully yes yeah hopefully Okay. All right. Anybody else want to weigh in on this? Right. Yes, the lukewarm church. Absolutely. Okay. So, <clears throat> anybody else? Okay. So, the title here: A disciple battles sin and flesh. Let me say this: A disciple battles sin and flesh more than a nominal Christian. The battle of somebody who is trying their best to live for God is going to be much more difficult than someone who could really care less. Am I right? Okay, let's read on. One of the most uh, discouraging realizations for a new Christian is that they still sin. I, I can echo that. When I got saved, I thought my, my worries were over. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Um, uh, and it would be nice 
if uh, when you and when we got saved, our ability to sin vanished. But that's simply not the case. As long as we are on this earth, we will battle sin. And the closer you walk with God, the bigger and the stronger the battle gets. The more you walk with God, the stronger the fight's going to be. Sin begins to form uh, a, uh, tem- uh, a, a temptation, a desire that draws us away from God. Look over, turn over to James. <clears throat> James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempty any, <clears throat> any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. <clears throat> then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So, next blank here. There are three main sources of temptation. Three main sources of temptation. And and he goes on to say these these three uh, forces are constantly working against us. They are constantly working against us. Again, the more you have a desire to walk with God, the stronger the battle is going to be. It's that simple. The easier it is to make excuses not to come to church. Oh, I've got a headache. I don't feel good. You know what? If you, and I'm just going to say this because you guys know that I get headaches often. And so I'm going to use this as an illustration. If I used my migraines as an excuse to keep me out of church, guess what I would have every Sunday morning? A migraine. But I have determined that no matter what, I'm going to do everything I can. I think in the, since in the last 11 years that I've had migraines, <clears throat> I've missed church once, I think, because of the migraine. Maybe, maybe twice, but just once. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we've, yeah, it ended early. Yes, but, but the thing is, the fight is real. And so often we read these verses and we think, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is real stuff. The first uh, source of temptation is the world. The world system, philosophies, uh, practices are directed against God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. What does is, what is the word, word lust mean? We, we see this and we say, okay, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. What does that mean? Okay, covet. How about the word craving? Okay, we had we had 70 some odd women here and a table full of chocolate back there. And I, I saw women, I, and, and those of you know that uh, Mike, uh, Mike made some caramels. And I, I, I mean, the, the fist fight almost broke out over those things. Okay? I hope Mike's watching. <clears throat> no, it, it didn't. But, but you, that's what the word means, to crave. Yeah, he did have to make more to keep peace in the, in, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> the lust or the craving of the flesh. That's what, that's what we do. We crave those things. The lust or the craving of the eyes. A 1974 Chevelle. I could have got for just two grand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, can you imagine that parked in my driveway? <laughs> There's a reason God did not let me have that car. I, I'm just saying. Just saying. It is. It is the the Chevelle. The the the, the Chevy Chevelle is the quintessential muscle car. Between, you know, the, the Camaro, Camaro, Chevelle, um, Mustang, you know, but the Chevelle was like the, the best of the best, I'm just saying. So, <clears throat> yeah, it was the, it was the, yeah, the, uh, uh, who's that guy used to play for the Patriots? Oh, that's the Brady of cars. Okay, there you go. So, um, but, um. <clears throat> so, but the, oh no, he's not he's not at the computer. Yeah, and Marzi could care less about it. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, yeah. Sarah sitting up on the dash. <laughs> like, anyway, anyway. My car was a '74 Super Beetle. That was my car. <clears throat> um, but the lust of the eyes. You know that that, that is, is that not what gets us in trouble often? You know we're not we're not we're not happy. With, you know I remember I don't know it's been so many years since we bought a car. I don't know if you still do this when you buy cars, but years ago you you go to the dealer and you say okay I want I want these things on the vehicle. You know nowadays I don't I don't know if they just come that way. You know you know I I remember when when an automatic transmission was a big upgrade. And, and you know, the salesmen were always trying to upsell you on all of this stuff. And AM, FM radio, boy, that was a luxury. Yeah, AC was optional and all of these things. But see, but see what do we do? We, we, we look at this and we think, well, it's only a, you know, a 
$1,000 or whatever for an automatic transmission versus a stick shift. And, you know, and we, you know, and, and what do we end up doing? We end up talking ourselves into things that we don't want or need because they, because the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Huh? Yes. Yes. And then the pride of life. And, and, and I, 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 when I looked this word pride up, I, 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 I wasn't surprised, but I had never realized this. It is, the, it is literally the false pride, the false pride of life. You know, God, God wants his people to be happy, does he not? We make choices. I think so. I, I, I think so. I, I think it is a culmination really of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And it, it culminates into this false pride of then all of a sudden, this is, I need a 1974 Chevelle. Okay, <laughs> I'm entitled to that car. I, I, that's my opinion. I, I believe that that's the where it all goes. Yes, the progression. There you go. Okay, let's let's read on. <clears throat> the word flesh here. Uh, before you were saved, your mind, uh, will, and emotions were trained to live apart from God. The old patterns of your mind, will, and emotions are at odds with the new pattern God wants to create in your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 to 24. For the flesh lusts is against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if it be led of the spirit... <clears throat> Ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. In other words, he didn't list them all. He just listed a majority of them, or a lot of them. Uh, of, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in, the past, in past times, that they which do uh, such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ are crucified, or excuse me, have crucified the flesh with the afflictions, uh, the, excuse me, uh, with the affections and lust. So can anybody tell me the phrase, <clears throat> but if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. What is what does that mean? 
Okay, you're not going to be judged by the law. Okay, anybody else? Right. We are not under the law because we are saved. Right. We're okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay, let me explain to you what I've always believed this to mean. When I am led by the Spirit, I'm not under the law and, and what I what I believe, and then he gives us that long list. If we are being led by the Spirit, then we are not doing these things not because the law says not to, but because the Spirit says not to. See, we're not being led by the law. We're being led by the Spirit. I remember when our children, I believe we had this discussion with both of our children, but I know one in particular we did. But there was a time where a, a subject came up. I don't even remember what we were talking about, uh, but one of our kids wanted to go do something. And the response was, no, we're not going to do that. And the, the reply to us, and at the time we were missionaries, uh, and at the time uh, that our, the child said, oh, you don't want to, we can't do that because you're a missionary. And we sat the child down and I believe again I believe we had this discussion with both of our kids so it's not like you know I'm squealing out one of my kids <clears throat> and we had this long discussion I said you know what it has nothing to do with the fact we were missionaries it says we don't do that particular activity because it's not honoring to Christ see we don't live under the law we live by the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, was there anything necessarily wrong with that activity? I honestly, I don't know. I don't remember. It, it's, it, you know, it's too long ago. I just remember the discussion afterward. But why, why do you not? Why do you forfeit certain things in your life? Okay. Hopefully, it's because it's not pleasing to God. Hopefully, you're not living by a list of do's and don'ts. Why do you come to church? Why do you forfeit certain activities? Why do you do the things that you do? Hopefully, it's because you're being led by the Spirit of God and not living up to the expectations of men or of the expectation of the law. We're out of time. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, meet with us uh, tonight and speak to our hearts and, and, and help us to take these things that we've talked about tonight and burn them deep into our hearts so that as we do our best to walk with you, that our lives will be transformed. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.